Hey, morning, Ascent. Oh, man, I, I, uh, my name's Jim, if I haven't met you before, and Bill and I actually co-founded uh, the church about eight years ago now, and I wish, I, usually we would make fun of each other. Um, I can't defend myself on any of that stuff. Um, you know, we just got this puppy, and I was sitting around, we had a dog, I was sitting around, and I thought this was a bowl of nuts that Karen had bought uh, that was sitting next to me, and I... I'm the type of person that just kind of eats things without looking at them. Anybody else do that? Dang, there's like two. Um, so I started eating, it was about three of those dog food in, and I went, this is not a nut. Um, so I'm notorious for that. The thing that you didn't see on social media is that uh, I actually, 10 days later, wore another shirt inside out. Uh, and so I thought to myself, should I post that? And it's like, well, one's cute. Two, you start to go, eh, I don't know. So, uh, so I cannot defend myself against Bill, but you know I will get him. You know I will get him someday. So, um, hey, I just want to say to start, it, it's kind of an emotional day for me, actually. If you, had, um, if you had told me that 15 months ago that that would be the last time that I'd be up here uh, for that long uh, being able to share with you, I would have said you're crazy. Um, and just as life blows um, and the Lord takes us, I am working now with a group called Stadia, which is a fantastic organization that's planning churches kind of in the U.S. but all over the world. Um, and I love this organization. I love their mission. And I will be honest that uh, I frequently ask, uh, Lord, did I hear you right? <laughs> you know, and it is not... Not because uh, I don't love where I'm at, but because I love you. And uh, that was a hard decision, one of the most difficult decisions of my life, to be just super honest with you, because I'm not tone deaf. Uh, Leaving a church as a pastor in the middle of a pandemic uh, is a very difficult thing. And as I've been kind of praying through that and just on my journey with that, most most days I, I feel like I did hear God right and that this was the right thing for us and our family uh, but the right thing for ascent, and I, I believe that, and I believe that that's going to bear itself out uh, as we continue on in the journey together. Um, so here's what I want you to hear. Um, I did not love you guys because I was getting paid here. Uh, my love for you as people in this church is um, 100% genuine, and I want you to know that I'm here and around, and I love you. And I uh, would love to spend more time with you. And um, that has been a very difficult <laughs> thing for, I know, all of us as we've gone through the uh, transition of this pandemic. So, okay. I really don't want to talk about me anymore. Um, I, I want to dive in today to a topic. And I'm thrilled and honored to get the chance to share with you. Uh, on this series, Bill, Bill's got this brilliant series idea, Unfollow. And uh, the idea is that, you know, when on social media you see somebody, some, somebody posts something political that drives you crazy or whatever, you just push the unfollow button. Yeah, I'm done seeing them. Block, right? Jesus had some hard things to say. And, and it's worth us asking, like, do we sometimes push the unfollow button on him? And that's what the heart of the series is about. But I want to kind of take another step on it and ask a question that's kind of been haunting me. Do we sometimes unconsciously unfollow Jesus? So, you know, Jesus 2,000 years ago is this guy, God on earth, and, you know, teaching, people are following him, 
And he says, come follow me. And here I am, this bald white guy, you know, in the suburbs of the U.S. Is it possible for me to really understand what he meant when he said, follow me? Or do I unconsciously unfollow him because I can't actually understand what it is? What it means to enter in and follow him. That is what we want to talk about today, friends. First, I want to show you a video that's going to have to do with this. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who's a pastor in South Denver introduced me to this Netflix series and this guy, his name's Lennox Hasty. Some of you have seen uh, this. This guy is a chef who only cooks with fire, everything. I want you to watch this video and we'll talk about why. So check this out. First time I saw that video, I thought, that's ah, kind of long. Uh, and as I sat with it, I thought, well, that's part of the point. Uh, here's this guy that is cooking only with fire. I don't know if you know that. The guy cooks lettuce with fire. It's like, really? No propane, no electricity, nothing like that. It's all fire, everything he does. He was actually a chef in France that was like a Michelin one, two, three star. I, you know, I thought Michelin was a tire, personally. And... Like, apparently it's a big deal if you're, a, I don't know, cooking. Ask me sports questions, okay? And uh, so he had this incredible restaurant, getting huge reviews and taken off. And then he decides, I'm going to leave kind of my mentor. I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to start my own 
barbecue place, all fire in Australia. He opens this restaurant and he starts cooking everything with fire and the Australians who know their steak, right? You would think. The Australians start eating this, this fire-cooked steak and they start sending it back. Like you can imagine these Australians like, you call that steak? It's undercooked, mate. I worked on that. So, so they're, they're like, they're not getting it. They're going, Lennox, like, you were supposed to be this great Michelin star guy. You don't know what you're doing. So interesting. So interesting that when presented with something authentic, right, a, a fire-cooked meal, they prefer the artificial. It just got me thinking, like, how many things in life, and when you think about our faith, when you think about what it means to follow Jesus, Maybe sometimes I wonder, have we been presented with something that is artificial and we're so stinking used to it that when the real thing comes along, we don't even recognize it? I, I look at it over this last year and I just start thinking, man, have, ask yourself this. Have Christians, those of us who would call ourselves Christians, can we say that Christians have been exceedingly more loving, exceedingly more compassionate, peaceful, exceedingly, you know, more joyful, life-giving in the culture. Could we say that? You know, and it's easy to like point and then it's like a real interesting question to say, what about, have I? I? I just sometimes wonder, man, if I'm spending time around Jesus, wouldn't those things be present in my life? Or have I bought something that's artificial and when Jesus presents what it really means to follow him, I reject it because I'm used to eating steak with protein or propane, whatever it is. I want to walk through that this morning. I want to I look at Jesus' words, just really directly three verses where Jesus lays out what it means to follow him. I want to go straight to the source. I'd never, like, secondhand smoke is bad. Secondhand faith is worse. You know, we always want to be the type of people that are reading the scripture for ourselves, hearing directly from Jesus. Because you guys know the culture around us will distort stuff like crazy. Are we hearing from the source of our faith? That's what we're going to do every, every time. That's what we do. We always look at the scripture. And today we're going to look at what Jesus said about what it means to follow him. And there's some surprises woof, coming because it's sometimes stuff we don't talk about. And I think that's what sometimes leads us to getting hooked on the artificial. So look at what Jesus says. I'm going to uh, show you in Matthew chapter 16. People are confused. His followers, his disciples are confused. What's this guy doing? Who is he? And then he, he mic drops on this comment. This, these few uh, verses right here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? but lose your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? Lord, give us the courage and your spirit to understand 
these words because we're going to need it. And we give ourselves to you with open hands today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, I want you to see a sequence that you see in Jesus' words, you see in Jesus' life, you see in his followers' life, you see throughout the entirety of the New Testament about what it means to follow Jesus. And often it's not something that we talk about because it will get a little uncomfortable. It starts, I think, with this first little uh, section where Jesus dives in in this passage. And I want you to notice something. And I want to chart for us a pattern, okay? Oh, I missed you. I missed you so much. I thought they threw you away. I just, I will never leave you again, okay? All the new people are like, just accept it. It's, It's a thing. It's a thing. So, I want us to see this pattern of what Jesus lays out. Uh, for what it means to follow him. And we're going to start with that first verse. Okay? Here's, here's how we're going to start. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower. I'm going to pause it right there because there's a very, very important word in here. There is a word in the beginning here that has theological consequence that is like for all time, that has like eternal ramifications. Uh, there's a word that you can easily just kind of skip over and not notice. And it is the word if. If any of you wants to be my follower, and I want you to stop and think about this for a second. John chapter 1 says that all things were created through Jesus. He, he is God on earth. All things are created through him. You have the most powerful being in the universe looking at his followers saying, if any of you wants to follow me. Do you guys get that? Make no mistake, he doesn't have to say if. He could force. He could coerce. He could manipulate. But he says, if you want to follow me. Why? Because if means love. If means choice. You guys, God kind of operates the world operates the galaxy, the universe, it runs. You know, I I think about kind of the way I blink, the way I digest, the way I walk. I do things and I don't even have to think about it. And the galaxy, the universe is rolling. And God is not sitting there going like this. It is reflexively coming out of the massive power, the power we can't even get our minds around. And yet, somehow he kind of excluded you from that inanimacy. He invited you with the love, the invitation, into being able to make a choice. You guys, the way it starts with what it means to follow Jesus is this. It starts with a decision. He has allowed us choice. That's an incredible loving act that he did. Here's why it matters. Some of us, if we're going to be really honest with this, some of us are socialized Christians. We're socialized Christians, which means, hey, you know, I'm a Christian because my parents are. I'm a Christian because I grew up in a part of the world where that's what people do. I'm a Christian because, you know what, my wife told me that if I don't come and become a Christian, she wasn't going to marry me. 
socialized Christianity. That is different than a decision. That's different than saying, I believe that this guy who came to earth 2,000 years ago was actually God on earth who lived a life, died, and rose again from the dead, and I am going to hand my life over to him, and that's my decision. A socialized Christian, when you get out in the world and you start to take heat for believing that, socialized Christians are like, Guys, Jesus is inviting you into a decision. A socialized Christian never experiences the love and freedom of choice. Start there. And if you're somebody that, you know, you've walked along life and you, you just kind of reflexively have found yourself in this role, maybe it's time to go, I need to up or not. But Jesus says the word if, and that's an invitation to what it means to start to follow him. Look at the second part of this verse, because we're going to keep going down what it means here. Second part says this. If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Some of you guys who've navigated in the Bible a little bit have seen uh, this verse before and you've seen it translated. You must deny yourself. And you, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to, you know, give up chocolate for Lent? Is that kind of what it means? So if you look at that Greek word, what it, what it technically means is to refuse to follow. So what Jesus is saying literally here is you must refuse to follow yourself. Been following myself. Now I'm making a decision to refuse to follow myself. I'm going to take up my cross. You know, the Romans used to kill people on crosses. It wasn't just Jesus. They killed people all the time by crucifixion. And they had this habit that was just so cruel, they would actually make the person who's going to be crucified carry the beam, the wooden beam of the cross on their shoulders off to the site where they would be crucified. And as they're walking and people are watching them, everybody in the world knows one thing, that life is over. That life has ended. That's the sign, man. You're carrying your cross, you're done. And it's public. Jesus is saying, acknowledge your life is done. Guys, the next step, and if you're new, stick with me, okay? This is a great weekend to be here. Because actually what we're trying to do is we're trying to separate what you hear about Christians. For those of you who have been in the church forever too, what we hear about Christians and what did Jesus actually teach so that I know what I'm following. What Jesus is inviting us into is something, this is a scary word, here it comes. Jesus is inviting us into death. Yikes. You must refuse to follow yourself, pick up your cross, the sign of the end of your life, and follow me instead. That's what he's calling us to do. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, here, here's a way to think about this. Uh, you, you've seen signs like this around. Uh, the sign that says uh, under new management, right? You ever seen that? Grand reopening, under new management, and presumably that's a little bit of a shot, right? Uh, maybe passive aggressive on the old manager. Uh, or, and that can be a really good thing, like now the food's going to be good or whatever, the service can be better. Sometimes that's not a good thing. It could be a risk. This could go either way. Uh, 
Karen and I have a restaurant in Boulder that was our favorite breakfast restaurant for years and years. And it is part of a larger chain. And the reason why we loved it is because this local restaurant didn't uh, do the chain menu. They did their own menu. And, oh, we loved it. I mean, we'd go there like every Tuesday. They had this pancake special. And, oh, my gosh, love, love, love this restaurant. Well, they changed management. And I think the new manager came in, and I'm guessing the corporate folks saw the opportunity and said, "Ah, you you got to do the corporate menu. So we went one day, and the dude, my omelet, they used to make these omelets just dripping with cheese and ham, and oh, it was just phenomenal. And I walk in there, and they serve me this omelet, and I'm like, that's a stinking boomerang, right? Like, it's flat, and it's all solid. I could pick it up, and I could probably, if I had it, I could throw it in this room. It would hit one of you in the back, and it would still go all the way back, and I could, I mean, terrible. What's the point of an omelet with no cheese? We stopped going. Under new management wasn't good. Under new management is a risk. Jesus is inviting you into the risk of being under new management with your life. This might mean to be under new management I'm going to refuse to follow my way of managing my finances. And instead, I'm going to turn it over to Jesus, and now he's going to run it. It's a risk. I'm going to be under new management when it comes to the person that's wronged me, and I need to actually seek forgiveness instead of harboring a grudge. And I might even find out that maybe I've done something wrong. You know, being under new management means stepping into that the way Jesus calls us to. Under new management might mean that in your work, when there's something going on that you know is wrong, that's unethical, that you're actually the one who speaks up and says something, and you know you're going to take criticism for it. But to pick up your cross is a public thing, and to walk with it, and, you know, the people on the sides of the road would jeer at the person carrying their cross because it was public. But to be under new management means that you might have to make that move and that not everybody's going to like that. You know, Jesus uh, in John says, uh, you know, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. Under new management means dying to ourselves and handing over the keys of our lives to somebody else. Terrifying. Huge risk. This is why socialized Christianity never goes anywhere. Because are you kidding me? You want me to hand my life over to somebody that I was socialized into? I didn't actually make a choice for myself on this. Nobody wants that. Nobody's going to do that. No, to, to give your life over to Jesus is to gamble it all. And that's the invitation. Scary, I know. Now, here's the key. And this is where it gets sticky with how we cook the steak and how we as churches cook the steak. And and I'm going to point at me on this one. I've worked in church for 20-some years, and I've been the most guilty of this. Uh, There's a passage that I read recently in Revelation that it's talking about this huge group of followers of Jesus. And it just has one line. And it says, the followers of Jesus will go wherever he goes. 
Wherever Jesus goes, that's where you find them. And I started thinking about that. Where does he go? Well, Jesus goes places that actually I don't actually want to go. You ever notice that about him? He hangs out with people that make me uncomfortable. He says and does things and sacrifices in ways that would make me very uncomfortable. And yet, when you look at what it means to follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that I clinically study him from a distance. It means that I actually do what he does and go where he goes. And it's uncomfortable, for me anyway. Every time I try to step out on a limb and follow Jesus in some way and I get uncomfortable, I know that that's my pride just like screaming and hopefully dying. Here's the interesting thing, though, just to lift up the hood for you on how churches tend to work. And again, this is a self-criticism right here. I have thought for two decades, how do we make things comfortable for you? From the moment you roll in the parking lot to the moment you leave to the, everything we teach, everything we say, everything we do, how do we make comfort for you? And isn't it interesting that discipleship requires some discomfort? But we fear that if we don't do that for you, the church down the street will. And so sometimes we'll cook the steak with propane. When I think God's saying, no, 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 let the fire in, let it in. We've got to walk through this together because... There's something on the other side that if you do this too, you miss the beauty and the grace of the entirety of the story. Let me read another verse to you here. Jesus says this, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? He's inviting you into a third part. The greatest irony of human existence. The greatest paradox of being a human being is this pattern. That Jesus is actually saying to us, if you want to be my follower, you will die to yourself, and in so doing, you will find true life. You'll find grace. You'll find peace. Is it going to be easy? No. We may want to make it easy for you and cook with propane, But if you actually enter into this process with God and hand over under new management... It's so funny, he actually kind of starts to change your entire view of the world and your life. He starts to say, you know what? I'm terrified, God, to go under new management with my finances. And there's going to be bumps in the road with that. But the grace of God is that if you move through this process, you start to go, I actually feel my heart wanting to do what he wants. He changes your desire. And that's what he's talking about when he says abundant life. That there's life now, 
not just in heaven someday. Yeah, I go through all the sacrifice and so that I can go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hand over the keys to my life now and you will find life now and you will find grace now. That's the message of discipleship. I bring this up and I walk this through. Don't unconsciously unfollow something that isn't actually the call of Jesus. I believe that this is the call that he's got on our lives. To give over our life and you find grace you find peace, you find life when you do. Um, I want to ask you today a few questions. Uh, first question is this. Have you started here? Have you, have you made that risk? Have you been socialized into this? Or have you said, no, you know what, this is mine. And I want to enter into what life really looks like. That's, that's another question. But then I got three more questions for you. <laughs> and I want to put them up for you right now. And here's the thing. As I go through them, I want you to ask God. Have a little conversation with God right now. Which, which one of these is he speaking to you? Okay. Here's, here's the first question. First question is this. What is the way of Jesus after all? If we're going to talk about handing over new management keys to him, what does that look like with my finances, with forgiveness, with my neighbors, with my marriage, my relationships? Here's what I think. I think every human being, and this this be my advice, I hope you take it. Every human being who is wanting to follow Jesus, ask the Spirit of God every morning, afternoon, whenever it is, to be with you as you sit down and read at least one chapter from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Guys, I can tell you, I have read those books so many times. Every single morning, I sit down and I read at least one chapter from those four books. Because of nothing else, I want to know who the manager is of my life and remind myself. No secondhand faith. If we want to know what it means to follow Jesus, get in there for yourself. You can do that. Okay? Here's, here's question number two for you. Question two is, where have you bought in to the artificial sense of what it means to follow? Here's a little test. Try this. Is there anywhere in your faith and in your life with God where you are uncomfortable right now? If there's not, is it because you're studying him from a distance? You're admiring him, not following him. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's when the great irony kicks in. Number three, question is this. How can you experience both struggle and grace today? As some of us, man, you've been burned. Maybe, on the other hand, you know, you went to a church that was this. And all they talked about were rules. And all they talked, you know, ooh, no. Guys, find life today. Find grace today. What I find is that as I actually step into the discomfort, I will screw up. I'm going to blow it. 
And that's the beauty, is that he picks you up and he walks. And that's how you have a day-to-day relationship with Jesus. And it's not a socialized thing. It's real. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a second. I'm going to pray. I'm going to leave just a little bit of time for you. Would you just look at these three questions? Ask God to speak to you. And then commit to thinking about it this week, praying about it this week, talking to somebody about it this week. Don't walk out of here without eating some fire-cooked steak, okay? Lord, we give you uh, our hearts and our minds. is so much easier said than done, and yet you're so graceful. Your, your word just says that you will be with us always to the end of the age. Man, that's a promise. Uh, and I pray for myself and our friends that we would um, decide to follow you, decide to hand over the keys to you, and see that there is life in that. Would you speak to us, God, just in silence here for a moment? Would you whisper, you don't yell, would you whisper to us about where to focus this week? good, Lord. Uh, We love you, and we will go where you go. In Jesus' name, amen.